You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. My name is Ed Frank. I'm NCBA's Senior Director of Policy Communications. And joining us this week is Kelly Sullivan. Kelly is the co-owner of the Santa Rosa Ranch down in Texas, and Kent Backus, who is NCBA's Senior Director of International Trade and Market Access. Kelly and Kent, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ed. Yeah, it's good to see you. All right. So, Kelly, you are uh, fresh back from Capitol Hill, where you testified in front of the U.S. International Trade Commission uh, today. They had a hearing into the new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, the USMCA, which is also known as NAFTA 2.0. What was your general message uh, before the International Trade Commission, and how do you think the hearing went? Well, Ed, it was really a good opportunity, I think, to appear in front of the International Trade Commission because, um, according to the commissioners, it's a rare circumstance to see basically those that are being affected by the policies that they're discussing. So as a producer, um, it was a wonderful opportunity to give a face to the trade negotiations that they're discussing, specifically with USMCA. So I really appreciated the fact to be able to stand up there, tell them how my operation at Santa Rosa Ranch is being affected by the consideration of USMCA, and not just USMCA, but the other trade agreements that are being considered as well. So it was unique in that regard. In fact, some of the commissioners said that they rarely get to see people that are actually being affected. Um, I'm not a hired gun. You know, I'm not a talking head up there. I'm the person that's actually uh, receiving the benefit or, frankly, the um, detriment to whatever decisions they're up there making. And and explain a little bit about how your operation would be affected if um, tariffs went up between uh, Mexico and Canada and how that trade, that cross-border trade, uh, you know, how you do that now and how it would be affected um, if if uh, this UMC, USMCA or if NAFTA didn't get, you know, reinstated? Well, as you mentioned, I'm from Texas, and we have appreciated a very robust um, exchange specifically with our neighbor to the south, Mexico. Um, our operation at Santa Rosa Ranch, we're a seed stock producer. Actually, we're the largest seed stock producer of Brangus and Ultra Black cattle in the United States, and so we have a frequent exchange with our Mexican partners, um, not only in live cattle, but also genetic materials, so in, in straws of semen and embryos as well. And that would really significantly impact our operation because it's going to make it just more expensive for that trade to take place. That's just on the seed stock side, but we also look at it from the cow-calf sector and the stalker sector as well, and it would have a, it would have a tremendous impact on our, on our state economy in general. All right. Now, Kent, you were there as well, um, and I understand that the hearing was also a chance to set the record straight on some of you know the persistent misconceptions that are out there on trade. Um, talk a little bit about that aspect of the hearing and, and, and what NCBA's response is to that. Well, I think the, the main message we wanted to deliver is that NAFTA has been such a great agreement for us. We don't need to change it. And that's what we were excited about the USMCA is there were no significant changes to you know, raise tariffs or to put quotas in place or to make any other trade restrictive policies that could you know, really deter trade between the United States, Canada, and Mexico. One of the biggest issues that we've had to face over the last decade or so has been mandatory country of origin labeling. And the same people who've pushed this, you know, this idea out are trying to push it again, trying to get this in the USMCA, and they're talking about how this would be beneficial. These are the same tried and failed arguments of the past. Keep in mind, mandatory country of origin labeling was the law of the land for over five years. And during that time, we saw no increase in sales. We saw 
no improvements to food safety, and it did nothing to benefit our producers. The only thing that resulted out of having MCOOL as our law was we fought a long battle in the WTO, which we lost as a country, and we faced over a billion dollars in retaliatory tariffs if Congress didn't repeal it. Why in the world would we want to bring back a failed policy like that? It did nothing to drive demand. It did nothing to improve food safety or consumer confidence. It did nothing to put pennies in the pockets of our producers. And that's not just NCBA saying that. Look at the Kansas State study. Look at all of the other studies and all the other people who were impacted by this. It was also an opportunity to talk about how mandatory country of origin labeling also led to consolidation in the beef industry because of all of the discounts that were being attributed to those cattle from Canada and Mexico that led to the closure of feed yards and to packing facilities that haven't come back. So we do not need to continue bad policies like that. And today was an opportunity to deliver that message to the USITC and to explain to them why we don't need this. Fortunately, MCOOL was not included in the USMCA agreement. <clears throat> you know, we, we didn't see that in the final terms. We're hopeful that we won't see that come back again. But keep in mind, there are a lot of people who are out there trying to you know, push this on people and try to play on their fears and say that this is the solution to a problem that doesn't really exist. All right. Now, Kelly, this is not the first time you've testified in Washington. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, somewhat understandably sometimes get a little bit cynical about whether their voice is heard in Washington or whether their elected officials are listening to them. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like to testify on uh, on Capitol Hill or in front of something like the ITC um, and and how becoming a member of NCBA is, is a way to sort of channel that, you know, that energy if you're interested in affecting policy? Well, you know, as an NCBA member, um, I've, in my previous experience and then today as well, have seen just the incredible relationships that have been fostered through specifically our D.C. office and our legislators. And I actually had an opportunity yesterday to go visit several key decision makers. Um, again, going back to the fact that they're not used to seeing producers come in and have a face with the policy that they're discussing. And so it makes a tremendous impact. Um, for me, my, you know, it's really nice that the dues that I pay, because, you know, being a member of organizations, you're wondering, is it really making an impact? Well, I'm seeing my membership dollars at work. Um, so it's very gratifying in that regard. I take what I do very, very seriously because going in front, as you can imagine, it could be intimidating in appearing either in front of a um, congressional committee, which I did the last last year at the front of the Ways and Means Committee, and then, of course, in front of the ITC today. It can be intimidating, but I'll tell you, there's almost a calmness that comes over you when you're so passionate about what you do. Um, you want to impress upon these people, look, this is, I produce the food that's feeding the world, and I want you to hear what I'm saying and how I'm being impacted by the decisions that you're making. And without the forum that NCBA offers, it's really, um, we're, we're lost without that cause. And so um, I, I, it's, it, it, I hope that I represented my fellow producers well, um, but I appreciate the opportunity to not only represent NCBA, but also our, our operation at Santa Rosa Ranch and other producers as well. No, I know you did a great job today. I know you did a great job last year. Um, and it really does make an impact on members of Congress uh, when they see um, actual producers, actual constituents who are willing to take time out of their 
busy lives come up to Washington and make their voices heard um, and share their first, you know, their, their real world experiences. So thank you for coming up. Um, Kent, so now where do we go from here on USMCA? I guess this thing needs to be signed by the, officially signed by the three countries. And then Congress has to, I guess, approve or reject it or maybe ignore it. I don't know. Um, but what happens if they do that, if they don't approve it um, in a, within a given amount of time? What does that mean for the existing NAFTA agreement? Well, keep in mind, under the Trade Promotion Authority rules of which this agreement was negotiated, the International Trade Commission still has to publish a final report, which Congress will read and then make that determination of whether to support this or not. Uh, the White House still has to send the USMCA to Capitol Hill for consideration. And at that point, that's when the clock will start. That doesn't necessarily mean that it'll happen in the next couple of months. You know, Congress, we've got a whole bunch of new people that are coming in. They're going to have to get their feet under them. The House is under new leadership. We don't know if if Speaker Pelosi is going to, to actually move forward with this and work in a bipartisan effort uh, with the Republican Senate and the Republican White House. Or that there is going to be a third reincarnation, I guess, of Speaker Pelosi. That, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> oh, that, that that's true. There's a lot of unknowns right now. Uh, and it's not uncommon for Congress to sit on uh, these trade agreements once they're, once they're negotiated. Keep in mind, it took five years after the Korea agreement was signed before Congress actually did anything. And so that's why it's important for our producers to weigh in with their elected officials and be that face. Be like Kelly Sullivan from Santa Rosa Ranch in Crockett, Texas, and put a face on this issue because trade matters to our people. It accounts for not only $300 per head, but it accounts for our future. We have to compete to hold on to not only the competitive advantage we have in Canada and Mexico, but we really have to start, you know, trying to knock down all those barriers in Asia where our future demand truly is. That's where our success lies. But that's not going to happen unless Congress sees the urgency of it and understands why they need to take action. Congress, unfortunately, will usually take the path of least resistance. And so if they can if they can delay this or not take action on it, then they're going to do that. It's important for them to understand why trade matters to us, why good trade agreements like the USMCA matter to us. And that's why it's important not only for our producers to engage, but become part of NCBA. Be a voice and be part of the solution. Yeah, there's that old saying about politicians. When they feel the heat, they see the light. So hopefully more people will make their voices heard uh, and, and follow the lead of, of Kelly and get involved in a group like NCBA and, and, and make their voices heard in Washington. So Kent and Kelly, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat beef. Maybe a little turkey on, on the side on Thursday. And check us out online at beefusa.org and follow us on Twitter at, at Beltway Beef. Thanks a lot.